This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 262 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Philip. Hi, Reese. Here we are again, huh? <laughs> Here we are again. So, Philip, <laughs> I have got to wish you a, a happy second Dressage Radio Show anniversary. Yeah, I think it's it's come it's come around to that time, isn't it? It has. Very, I feel like we just did this. Yes. Yeah, so I, I don't exactly remember when you're in, my my start date was June first. Yeah, mine is a, is a few weeks later because you yeah. tried out ten other people before I, I got this job. <laughs> just two. Just yeah. you. Just you were two. the best, though. Oh, okay, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I was the most ma- manly, the most male. You were the most male. Exactly. <laughs> no, are you kidding? We had the best on-air chemistry. Oh, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, but anyways, happy anniversary. I can't awesome. believe it's been two years, and uh, I look forward to many, many more shows for sure. So, it's well, been, we it's have been to inform our ride. listeners, right? I want to, I want to tell our listeners about some rec- uh, some stuff we recorded for a couple weeks from now. Yes. As our, you know, we were thinking of ideas. What we should we do for our two-year anniversary? And we just we separately did interviews with Glenn about mm-hmm. everything about our lives except horses. Yeah, was that a good mine still had horses. Yeah, mine, mine, horse, mine still had horses in it, but it's oh. kind of uh, was an inside the actor studio um, yeah. interview type interview. And, yep. So that'll be on in a couple weeks. So I hope everybody will enjoy kind of hearing about it. I heard from Glenn. I did. I just did mine before we got on the air here, and um, I heard you were quite chatty. You no, you were longer. I just than tried me. to talk. You know, once you get me started, <laughs> I can't stop. And there's yeah. There's I some, know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not always the most normal person so i got to talk about some of the weird things that i that i about my life i guess or or weird things about me so uh, we were just chatting we had a good time i I was definitely not not much on the subject of horses Um, but we had a lot of fun and i think they're interesting interviews um if you're looking for trainer tips for that day that's not that's That's not not your day No, no trainer tips. So that that will air in a couple of weeks. So it should be really fun. And you, that that was actually one of our listeners requested to hear a little bit of, more about us. So I hope we're entertaining. I tried to be entertaining. I don't know. So but, um, and 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 I heard because of our idea, they're going to do it with all of the yeah. uh, hosts on, over all of the shows. Um, <laughs> so that should be really funny, actually. I, we I could be getting some hate mail. Yeah, we could get hang mail on this one, but uh, no. But it's it's been a super fun ride, um, and it's and it's a pleasure to to come on every week and get to talk to everybody. And we have a really great show. We actually have um, a blogger coming on, Bonnie Walker uh, from DressageDifferent.com, and she is a lot of fun. And and I think you'll really enjoy kind of the conversation that we had with yeah, her. Yeah, I think today. If, if you're on Facebook and and you've got a few dressagey friends, you probably come across her blogs or. Or the kind of articles, I guess you can call them also. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see kind of where this stuff come from. We, we've had a few bloggers on. I think for me it's interesting because I get to talk to them. We get a little more in depth with stuff they've written about. And uh, and it's fun. It's good. It's just dressage, talk dressage, right? And you get different perspectives. Right. And, and we get to talk a lot, which I like. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. I'm, I'm pleased that she was able to come on and, and share some stuff with us. So. 
Great Absolutely. interview. I know. And so, we're going to do our, yeah. a trainer tip, you and I together uh, here. And, and it's actually from Beth Baumer, eight training tips from Kira Kirkland. Yeah. Um, we, we had Carl it. Hester's, I think, on a while ago. Mm-hmm. And he had maybe 30 or so. And, and that was kind of popular and it was fun to talk about. So Kira Kirkland, dressage master. You know, she's trained so many great people, so many great horses. Um, it's it's great. We you know it's hard to get to talk to these people who live in Europe and are so busy and stuff. So we'll steal some ideas from from articles they're involved with and have written in or or uh, you know and that comes from Dressage Today, which is yeah you know, an awesome magazine that we talk about a whole lot. So yeah, perfect. It lines right up with doing the show and stuff like this. But before we get to that, Reese, yes. We've seen on your Facebook something, some story or something to do with some skunks. You want to give us the lowdown on that? Yeah, this is, this is, yeah. I couldn't figure out. I got the horses were spooking in my ring. I, I, they were all spooking down by the, down by the mirrors, and it's been going on for a couple months, and it was driving me crazy. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was a couple weeks ago, they were like, this, like the wall essentially sort of caved in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't good. So, what do you mean you know, the wall I, caved I, in? Yeah, like right by the post, like it sort of caved in, right? So I was like, oh, we got to go fix that. The dirt? Oh, yeah, like the dirt. So there were like holes, like right by the, between the the ring and the footer, you know. I, I, you know, I'm not very good with building terms, but there were like (laughs) holes there. So I was like, oh, you know, Jose, we got to go fit fill these. So Jose and I grabbed some rock and we were going down there to fill them. And Jose goes, I think there's a snake in there. Well, one thing about me is I am terrified of snakes. Like, I will, I just can't, I'm, I, I will freeze. Like, I can't. So, I mean, I'm, I'm out of there. I'm like, peace out. So then um, I call my trusty assistant, Alexis, in. I'm like, um, what is he talking about? Like, what is down there? And she goes, oh my God, it has eyes. So she goes running out. So, so now poor Jose is now in there by himself, and we're kind of peeking around. And somehow he figured out that the mama skunk goes running away, but he finds three baby skunks oh. and pulls them out. They were really cute. With his hand? I don't. I, I, I don't know. Again, okay. I, I can't. I can't. You weren't involved it. in this, in case I it was, was a snake. I was not involved. I, I thought it was a snake, so I was like way <laughs> far away. I am like outside the building, like freaking out with a yeah. pitchfork. You know, like I'm done. So. <laughs> So Jose pulls these babies out. I think he had gloves on because I think they can be dangerous. And thankfully, there's a wonderful place here in Lexington that I have taken baby raccoons to. And she's a friend of mine now. And Karen Bailey of the Kentucky Wildlife um, Center. I called her. We put the baby skunks after much discussion on how we were going to transport these skunks. Um, Because I have my brand new truck and they were not going in my truck, but I was like, I don't want to hurt the baby. So it was this whole discussion. So we like padded the back of the truck and put them in a box with some shavings. And, you know, we had these poked little air holes in them. And so skunks rode over to Karen's in style, Um, not in the back of my truck. They were in the bed, not in the actual back of my truck. Well, then, okay, now we have a really, really, really pissed off mama skunk in the wall. Yeah. So that was. Yes, I know. I know she was mad. So Karen's like, well, you need to trap the mom. And I was like, well, well how, do I do that? how do I do that? You know, so we put traps out. But mama has been now digging along the sides of the walls looking for her babies. And so it's very, very sad. So we have been trying to trap mama. But mama has 
eluded all of our efforts at this point. So I'm just hoping with all my might that mama has moved on to another indoor. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know where mama is. I'm afraid one day I'm just going to walk in there and she's just going to like, you know, matrix move me from the ceiling because she's oh. mad I took her babies. But I, I walk in there and I tell her every day that her babies are safe her ba- and they're her living. Her babies in are fine. Yeah. So, so it was a very, very entertaining it's uh, all again, part of far, farm ownership. It, this is farm ownership that I really wanted nothing to do with. So <laughs> <laughs> here, here we are. So it's been a very entertaining couple of days with the with the skunk. Those but kids. I did actually call critter control this week because I'm like, okay, we're not having any luck here. Right. So I'm going to actually call some professionals. Apparently, you can trap skunks with fig newtons. So I have fig newtons They're everywhere. Like fig newtons, huh? Apparently, they like fig newtons, and it's very weird that the skunk would still be out in Kentucky at this time. And I just hope she never, ever, ever returns, and she just goes about her business, which would be perfect. So it's been entertaining. Oh, so okay. the horses are no longer spooking at that end of the ring, though. Yeah, they <laughs> so solved that. that spooking, solved your horse problem. Yeah. Yeah, if your horses are spooking in your ring, <laughs> check for raccoons. See or if you have raccoons or skunks or, or squirrels something. or something. Like squirrels, cats, like a little cat something. family. Something never, usually is, is usually the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Animal, so like lesson learned on my on my half that yeah that they were freaking should have out. Been, should have been earlier, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Should have not jumped that on that smart. like a couple months ago. Not that smart. <laughs> so Philip, you had a horse show today. How how would have it go? Well, we just uh, we just kind of shipped the horses over and rode them. Um, Throw them over there, you know, cool. get them ready Everybody to show good. tomorrow. The show actually starts tomorrow. It's oh, nice. a pretty big show, pretty exciting. It's a CDI and, and a qualifier for WEG for a Canadian team. So oh, nice. um, I don't have any horses in the Grand Prix, but, you know, there's also a national show going on and, and it's busy and it's kind of the f- first big show for people to go to this season. So we've got lots of competitors there. Um, the weather has been beautiful today, so I'm really happy about that. Fingers crossed. Um, but man, is it ever busy? You know, you got to get into horse show mode, and we got to get yep. this horse done, this horse done, horse this horse done. All of them have to be perfect, and you know, a lot of yeah, a lot of stress on the trainer's side here. But, <laughs> it uh, is, and the and the competitors, and the riders. I know, I feel their stress. Um, you know, yeah. um, but we had a good day. The only good. thing I wish, and Uh-oh. I'm going to send this out to the uh, to everybody, is that when you're warming up. And, you know, uh, Thursday's a day everybody can ride in the rings, you know? Yeah. I, I wish there was a few more people with a little bit of consideration for their fellow riders. I mean, I have uh, um, two riders today that it's their first time going to a big show. One rider's their first time going to a show ever, period. And another one's first time. I mean, we're all really nervous. Everybody's excited. Yeah. And, and um, you know, everybody's trying to get their, you know, kind of their practice patterns done in the ring, you know. But if everybody could be a little bit more considerate of everyone else. And, you know, there just seems to be a few a few riders in there very determined that it's their space and they're going to get their time and they're going to run over anybody else who's who's in there. And I really don't – that's not friendly. I'd like it to be a lot more friendly. That your your extended trot diagonal is not the most important thing to everybody today. Yeah. I know it's very important no, it's- to you, and I get that, and, and I understand that. But, you know, it just makes for kind of an unfriendly atmosphere. And maybe your horse yeah. is not going that well for you today, and it's super stressful and, and everything. But it's supposed to be fun. Everybody's supposed to have be fun. And 
And, uh, you know, when you're in there on your Priest and George horse, it's very intimidating for somebody coming to their first show, you yeah. know, and their training level. And, and everybody's got to get some time in that ring. And, you know, because they show there, on, you're going to show there tomorrow, but somebody else has to show there on Saturday. And, yeah. and, and you know, you know, there's, there's not a lot of time and room for everyone. And, and I wish everybody could just get along a little bit better. But that's my two cents from today. I think that's pretty good. I think that it's something we all need to remember. And yeah, to, just, just, just relax. Everybody smile. pays the same amount of money yeah, to be there. You know, it, well, it, it, yep, I think that's it's hard. Super important. It's hard for everybody. It is we're hard. all coming it from is. a different place and a different situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if two people run into each other, it happens all the time. You know, smile. I always try and smile, apologize, shake it off a little bit, and carry on with your business. But there you go. That's That's it from today. I got it. I got it. Well, <laughs> we have a horse show too this weekend, and um, it should be lots of fun. It's um, it's actually quite a small show. So, um, and I actually am just taking my horses, which oh. is pretty cool. This is I a know. Only show. It, it has turned out to be a Reese only show. Um, so one of one of my clients' horses was injured, and so I'm going to take my young horse just to cruise around and check things out and then uh, Winnie will do a pre St. George and Denali will do a first level so I'm just trying to get some horses uh, qualified and knock some out and it just sort of worked that I was the only one going so that was kind of nice so uh, it should be a really fun weekend we're, we're pro- I, my, my kids are just going to have to be big kids and they don't show till 11 o'clock um, on Saturday so we're actually just going to ship up that morning so oh, okay. they have to put yeah they'll have to put their kind of big kid pants on and um uh, Denali's been there before, and uh, Winnie, uh, she's pretty experienced. I don't worry so much. I, I, I like her a little bit. Looky actually makes her a little better in the bridal, so uh, <laughs> it should be fun. It should be fun. It should Trying be a really that fun. Perfect, that perfect mix of, of I want that uphill structure, and if she's looking a little less, even better. So uh, nice. that should be fun. So yeah, so we have a we have a really good um, good weekend plan. So best of luck to you, Philip. And yeah, good luck and, to you. And uh, yeah, just that we'll we all have fun. Everybody stays on, and that that's what we're looking for. Is just exactly yeah, know, a little bit of fun. Ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think right after this commercial break, we will talk to Bonnie Walker. Dressage blogger. Are you tired of treating your horse for soreness? Well, then be proactive. Benefab offers you and your horse a natural remedy to joint and muscle stiffness, inflammation, and circulatory deficiencies. Benefab offers a variety of innovative products, like saddle pads and polo wraps and quarter sheets for your horse, and socks and blankets for you. Simply ride in it or wear it and feel the difference Benefab's ceramic-infused products make. You can check them out online at BenefabProducts.com or you can call them toll-free at 855-957-8378. Well, it is my pleasure to introduce Bonnie Walker onto the show today. She is a USDF bronze and silver medalist. Um, a first-level L program graduate with distinction and a certified instructor through first level. First level. The reason that the Bonnie is on today is because she writes a really great blog um, on the website dressagedifference.com, and uh, I know that I've I've noticed Reese posts a couple of her her blogs on her uh, Facebook page. If you follow Reese, and I I pick up these things, and I'm into more and more reading blogs. So. Uh, so we thought we'd have Bonnie on the show, and we can talk about all kinds of dressage things. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, 
pleasure to meet you. Yeah, well, it's great. We've been, uh, I set up this about last week and I started reading more and more of your blogs. Maybe you can introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your dressage history and what got you started on the, the blogging. Okay, well, my name is Bonnie and I'm right now the assistant trainer for Tina Caldwell out of San Diego. Um, so I am nicely situated on the West Coast for dressage. Um, I'm in one of the uh, more active spots in the country. So I get to see a lot of wonderful horse rider combinations. Um, gosh, getting started in dressage, I mean, I've ridden my entire life. It's one of those things. Um, and I, I went up into the professional um, status kind of through the working student positions rather than the junior young rider route. Um, I never had the horses to do that route. So it was more of catch riding and, you know, whatever people threw at me, <laughs> I got on. <laughs> so my motto is never say no. And um, from there, I slowly worked into uh, assistant trainer positions. And so I finally made my way back to San Diego so I could be a part of, you know, one of the hot spots of, uh, of uh, United States Massage. And blogging um, was when I was earlier in my career, there was a lot I didn't know. I mean, there's a lot I still don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> anybody who says that otherwise, um, I, I think they haven't quite learned enough yet. And I feel like we're all still learning. That's one of the amazing things about dressage. There's always that new horse. And there's always that new um new student that <laughs> kind of pushes you beyond <laughs> what you thought you knew. So and, true. Um, the daily right? process around like here. You get, you get a little coffee. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Knock down. All of a sudden, this horse will come along <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> so, cool. um, so blogging was a way for me, looking back on myself, um, there is a, I think, a little bit of a fear amongst professionals and, and adult amateurs to say, I don't know. Um, and so blogging was a way for me to get information out into the world because when I was first beginning in my career, I would go to the internet and go, what the hell was the, excuse my language, what the heck was this person talking about when they, you know, mentioned a, a, a word or a phrase or a, you know, technique or something like that. I would go to the internet and I would look it up. So that I didn't look like, you know, an idiot in front of people who were looking to me as an authority base. And um, that in itself, I'm not saying is the correct way. I think that we should. And since then, I've gained the confidence to say, I don't know. Let, let's find out together. But at the point, at that point, I didn't. I was still too insecure in my own knowledge base, if that makes sense. So blogging was a way for me to provide information. My website is mostly toward adult amateurs um, that they might not otherwise feel comfortable asking or even a beginning professional who has a question and they're not in a situation that they feel comfortable making themselves vulnerable, which in, in all honesty happens a lot. You know, people are afraid to ask. Um, they're afraid to look dumb. And that was the that was the inspiration behind it. But since then it's gone and taken this whole new route where I'm just 
you know, writing about anything that enters my brain. <laughs> so, so, yes, that, that's the story behind Dessage Difference. Oh, I love it. I mean, we've been, uh, Philip and I, like, like Philip said, I shared um, your current one. It was all over Facebook today, and, and it was great. And, it, and I read it, and like you said, you really cannot stop learning in this sport because there's always a better way to say something. There's always a better way to do something or even a different way. A than different even, way, yeah. It takes yeah. all kinds of perspectives, and, and I mean, that's I, I what we talk about agree. every week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, every so, week you, you two have different guests on who might say something a different way or a different, you know, even the same thing they're saying, they're saying in a slightly different, that's why I named my blog about different, by the way, <laughs> is because if you can just keep saying things in different ways, that way number C might really uh, connect with one person. And, and that's enough. I mean, yeah, I I mean it's so true that it. everybody learns a little bit differently. And so... Um, you know, the more ways or the more you can just talk on a subject, the more way, you know, the more understanding everyone can get out of it and just, and just keep, keep learning and, and keep being positive. And that, that's what we, I love about having all, all different people on the show because everybody that we have here, um, loves to teach and gets excited about people learning and, and helping people learn. And, and, uh, I think we have a lot of enthusiastic listeners who, who like that as well. So I think that's kind of set, has set the tone for our show as we try to figure out how to do this radio thing and, and how to get information out there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is every, I do listen to the show and I have listened for a long time and it is true that you, even people, and I'm not saying that I'm constantly disagreeing at all. I think you have excellent guests on the show, but even when you listen to someone and you might not agree with them, I think that gives you such food for thought and really can clarify your, your own methodology or your own perspective on something. Um, yeah. So even even different perspectives, it's not like we all need to be you know shouting the same anthem. Different perspectives can really galvanize their own training or instruction technique. And that's, and that's so true. Cute. Yeah, that's, so, that's a really good good way to think of it. So, so Bonnie, talk to us a little bit about some of your blog entries or even your favorite entries that you've done. Well, my, <laughs> it's so funny because my favorite entries tend to be like really a, more the, the drier entries, maybe not some of the most popular ones. Like I did one on absolute elevation that I put a lot of work into. Like I sat up and I'm not an artist and I'm, you know, drawing these little diagrams and drawing. Because <laughs> I, I, try, I try to never use work without the permission of, of the artist. So I, I'm trying to make my own, my own terrible, terrible drawings, and um, and I spent I, I swear I spent like an entire day setting up that article, and I it didn't go too well. <laughs> I'm not saying that it wasn't uh, well received; it just wasn't the more popular article. I think that the articles that tend to be more popular, one in particular, um, you had Catherine Hedodge-Stoller on the um, show a few weeks ago, where she had an article that was confrontational in some people's eyes. Um, I personally didn't feel that way, but um, there was an article that was similar in theme to that called Our Responsibility to Dressage Trainers. And I think that my article, in a lot of ways, I don't disagree with what um, Catherine said at all, but in a lot of ways, my article was voicing opposite in 
what do clients owe their dressage trainers as far as behavior patterns and acknowledgement? Um, and what I mean by that is you have a dressage trainer and in this, in this general climate of I don't know, it's easy to consider that only the best trainer, quote unquote, the trainer with the most accolades or the most awards is suited to teach you. And I think that in your interview a few weeks ago, Catherine mentioned that something like in Europe that it would never be expected that you would go and teach um, or be taught by Edward Gall. I think she used that as her example. Whereas here, there is a little bit of a pressure to every single one of us need to be a little bit the best, the best, the best. And um, my article was exploring the nuances of understanding that all, not all trainers are out there in the same there's in the same package. There are children's trainers. There's trainer. There are trainers that love to compete, but um, there are others that have haven't competed in 20 years. Um, there's trainers who are excellent business people and excellent trainers, but not instruction isn't their forte. Yeah. Or the opposite, yeah. they're great teachers, but they're not great at starting young horses. Yeah, I mean, there's all. I mean, that's it's a good point, and 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 I saw this article and I read it, and I mean, not not all coaches are great competition riders, you know. So it's right. tough to when you're evaluating, you know, who should I go for for lessons? This person has eight gold medals. That'll be the best trainer for me. That's right. not necessarily true, right? So I completely agree. It's something yeah. to think about. And if you're if you're an adult amateur with certain goals, not the Olympics, which is you know most most adult amateurs, you're not looking to go to the Olympics. Then do you need an Olympic coach? So a little bit on the other side of Catherine's article, but you know I think all coaches should be striving for education and striving to I teach better agree. and and be spending a little bit of time on that. I mean. Uh, uh, um, some riders are only spending them, their time on themselves and, and how they can get their competition horses better. And it, and sometimes it's easier to pick out those people to coach you because you can say, oh, well, they, they've ridden this, this, and this and have all kinds of medals and all this. And and uh, and I, I don't know. It's just tough. It's really tough to evaluate somebody, you know, for their coaching ability. You know, maybe you should go to a show. If, if you're looking to show at a lower level, go to a show with some coaches that teach people at a lower level and, and see if they're, you know, if they're, if their people are having success, if their lessons, if their students are having success at the lower levels where you'd like to be, that might be the coach for you. And then maybe you could save a little bit of money and not have that Olympian uh, and be spending, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars uh, every month on, on coaching that you don't necessarily are getting a lot out of. So. It's really oh, tough. Right. It's really tough finding somebody to it, coach you. It yeah. is. And, and I think it depends on your area. And I think you have to be willing to, you know, I, I, I've had this happen in, in the last couple of weeks. Somebody did live relatively far from me. And, you know, they, they just felt like they couldn't drive to my farm. And I said, that's fine. But that's going to limit what you're going to be able to do. And I said, listen, I went to Europe. <laughs> to find. I've been to Florida. I've been all over the world for good instruction. So sometimes it may not be the most convenient, but it may be the right thing for you and your horse at the time, or maybe not. It just depends on 
what's going on and where you are. And it turned out it was great. I ended up, there was a friend of mine that I was able to send them that was a little closer for them. Um, but it was good. They needed to make a change um, uh-huh. from one, from a young, from a young writer instructor, from a kid instructor to a little bit more sophisticated, not sophisticated, but a little bit higher level person. And, and the, the, the young horse, the young kid trainer was great with that. And that was part of it. And I think that, you know, as instructors, um, instructors should be okay with allowing their students to move on if it's necessary. And I think that that can be hard. Well, yeah, and, hard, and I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's always hard because you build a relationship with someone and, and then, you know, and, and then that relationship changes. But it, as far as, you know, thinking about that article, I know I keep mentioning Catherine's article, but it kind of was a lot of food for thought for me in, in, how we pursue our education. Um, and I think that that worry of losing clients puts a huge kibosh on a lot of instructors' pursuit of further education in, in the United States. Um, and it puts a fear of associating with other con- instructors who could potentially, uh, quote-unquote, take clients there's a huge economic incentive, you know, or not incentive to stay ignorant and pretend you're the best rather than go out there. For example, the instructor certification program, you go to say you have a barn full of 10 horses, 10 clients, everybody's happy and chumming along. And then you go to the instructor certification program, you go through it and you don't pass. And I'm not saying that they should pass you, but just because you go through it, that's not the point of the program. But then you, as the person, are then having to go back to your clients and hope that they are loyal enough to you, or whatever word you want to put into that, understanding um, that they don't say, what, you didn't pass your certification? Does that mean you don't know anything? Wait a second, (laughs) look around and go to the person next door, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I don't think that that is necessarily an excuse. I certainly have seen so many instructors pursue their own educations, strive for better, and I think that that does need to happen. And yeah, yeah. Without argument. I think it's tough. Yeah, the, the economic factor in a lot of things. I know um, we talk about another blog with Lauren Spritzer. She writes about, you know, the, the stress of, of professional writers – um, not showing younger horses or not showing horses that aren't perfect at a level because they're afraid of getting out there and, and not having this great success and then other people seeing that and going, oh, well, you know, Philip can't ride, Lauren can't ride, Reese can't ride because that horse went so badly in that second-level test. Right. Or, uh, you know, you know that's, that's, a, that's a really tough place for a professional to be in and uh, or to take a horse to a clinic that's open to the public and then... And you know that that's a little bit of a troubled horse or a horse that is not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. and then Who's you're not a horse gonna, that you should be taking to the clinic yeah that needs to go to the yeah, clinic for education, but but right. having the fear that oh other people are going to see me, I'm going to lose clients because you know uh, the instructor is not just going to praise me while I ride around and and make a show around the ring, you know right. I think so that's, that's a, your... it's a tough pressure and I don't know what the answer is, but I think well, everyone needs a little bit more kind of understanding I, that if you're an up and coming yeah. rider. 
professionals need education too and they need to mm -hmm. you know they need to take their horses out and they need to you know we all fail at some point right and we all have troubled horses that have different pasts and 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 that's just a reality of this business and not every horse i sit on is going to go wonderfully every day and yeah. and i need to be able to take it out and get get some lessons too so what right without yeah. being afraid Without being afraid, yeah. Without, well, without losing a ton thing. of business, yeah. That's the fear. Right. It's not not me failing. I don't care if I fail or not. I've made an ass out of myself all the time, but it's the fear that you know, there's another perspective. I won't get that client, or I'll lose this horse, I'll lose this ride, um, you know, because because there's this you know putting riders on a pedestal and and, and that kind of thing. I, and, yeah. I think another big thing for instructors that you know when when you talk about that blog and and go back and revisit is. Education is expensive in this country, and oh, it's far more expensive here. You know, the, we were talking off the air about the instructor certification. That is that is an extremely expensive venture to go on. Huge! It's it's so expensive, and I'm thrilled that I, you know I was certified when I was I was young. I was 24, and you know, which is interesting because me at 34 from 24 when I took the exam, I'm a completely different instructor than I was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, because I've learned and failed and fail again, and sometimes <laughs> you know, so so I think you know over ten years you just become and I think we could all say that you know you just grow. I grow every year, and I've grown since I've done the show, and, and and since I talk to a lot of people now, but it, it's extremely expensive. So um, you know, for me to go to Florida to to have two months of training is a huge venture because I have to close my barn in Kentucky or have staff up here. Um, and then, you know, just the cost of lessons. I think the cost of lessons in the United States are so much higher than they are in Europe. It's a joke on how much, you know, the, the trainers are not making $300 a ride in Europe. I can tell you that right now. Right. <laughs> um, you, you know, they're just not. And so, so and, and really at the end of the day, instructors don't make that much money. So you really have to, you have to say, I mean, you, people think, oh my gosh, you know, they charge X. Well, trust me, my overhead is huge. And so it, to, to go to a clinic, you know, that's a huge budget issue as well. So, um, and it's much more in this country than it is, I think, in, in Europe for sure. So that's another kind of avenue that um, students that also think about that for their instructors. And my goodness, I, I, I'm saying this to my students. You know, to, to say, hey, we're going to send you that clinic or we're going to send, send you to the uh, trainer's conference as, as a Christmas gift. I would love that. You know, that would be great to help. I mean, I think that that's a big deal. I mean, I think that, that students also need to, to see that is, yes, you're paying us. We need to continue to be educated. But, man, once you get to a certain level, you know, you're paying, six, you know, just $1,200 a weekend, depending on how many horses you ride. That's a huge chunk. Yeah, yeah, I, can't, I, I can't stress enough how much I agree with that, where if we could, uh, if we could encourage a climate of everybody's students supporting the education of their instructors, yes. Yeah. Um, I, think, yes. I think that that would open a lot of doors to a lot of people and lift the overall standard of instruction. The, the good thing and why I decided to blog, aside from my, you know, just love of writing and having people listen to me unwillingly. It's a very safe forum to learn, the internet. And I 
I know that it's a limited form. You're not going to get the same education reading a series of blogs that you are um, on a three-day clinic or, like you said, two months in Florida or going through um, the L, which is uh, one of the things that I did. But it's cheap, and if you are making... You know, 19000 a year in rural Oklahoma as a dressage instructor, and you can't afford to drop, you know, 3000 in coin on a trip to Sacramento for, you know, going through the L, then at least there can be some resources. And, and mine isn't the only by, by far at all. I'm not trying to say that, but I just wanted to contribute to, to that for everyone. Yeah, I think the technology the technology is helping a lot of people, uh, me included, with with the internet and YouTube has been so helpful, and the radio Absolutely. show and bloggers. We have lots of bloggers on because they're doing a a good job of of at least creating some discussion on different topics. Right? You know, when you talk yeah. about things, people learn. You can always learn something from a discussion. Bonnie, do you want to pick a one one other favorite? blog or uh, one that a lot of people would know maybe that you want to want to talk about? Uh, the other big blog um, that, uh, well, again, this was one of the blogs that I wrote um, that I didn't pour my soul into, but what proved to be very popular was The Symbolic Totalist. Um, that was one that made the rounds a number of times. And then, and then after that, Pulse was nice enough to post it up on Eurodressage, where then it really um, the, yeah, that, the that one story. exploded. I think. Yeah, as well. that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, which was so so great of her to do. Um, but it did get garner um, a lot of discussion. I got lots of feedback yeah. <laughs> from both ends of the spectrum, <laughs> which is which is interesting because <laughs> um, I. You know, when I write, I write my, I don't filter myself. I, I write what I think and I put it out there. And I never have been on such a wide forum to receive that worldwide on some, on some end of the spectrum, really positive um, feedback and on other ends of the spectrum, not so positive feedback. Um, but essentially that was um, an article whose point was talking about um, the change in sport horses as breeding develops beyond beyond totalists. I mean, in 20 years, can you imagine the standard of horse that's going to be out there? It's going to be insane. Uh, I mean, from 20 years ago to now, it, the, the leaps and bounds have been huge. And then what that means for for us in the dressage community and how we look at the standards of dressage, um, as well, respecting the combination rather than the horse as the self, um, self-identified phenom that, that is amazing alone. I think that what I was writing was that totalist was sold for record amounts of money and, and poor Mateus Rath, a you know, relatively young um, rider, inherited arguably at the time the best horse in the world. And from that experience, everybody, I think, learned that there's really nowhere to go but down. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
I think it, it, <laughs> it's not arguably the best horse in the world. That horse made that kind of money. It it was um, record scores. I mean, there's no argue about it when a horse makes right. those records. So, yeah, he got sold, and and that that was a big thing to put on a young guy's shoulders. But and, and we've seen how it goes, the ups and downs, and and the way it is. And that's horses. That's riding. That's dressage, right? So, right. So. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I I think that 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 type of combination with and I was talking again about the respect for the combination meaning um the latest one being um Vallegro and Charlotte Dujardin um and how the horse was up for sale and that he did, has not sold and that nobody nobody <laughs> wants that pressure nobody needs that <laughs> nobody, pressure nobody, nobody right? wants that everyone looks at exactly it but I, I, I think, think that just, no, I was just going to say, it comes back to, I don't care who you are, you're going to buy a horse that's successful. And I think this happens even just for everybody to think about. You buy a horse, it's going to take a year to get to know that yeah. horse. It just is. I don't care if you're the best rider in the world, there's going to be a level of, you know, that horse's whole program changes. Unless, you know, you buy a horse in the same barn and you have the same trainer and same groom but you're still having to ride that horse and it's going to take quite a bit of time. And yeah, I just the don't more think train, people... the more train the, the, the horses, yep. the more time it takes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Fact, right. To either retrain or just learn little idiosyncrasies. And, yeah. you know, Tolis's training didn't happen in a day for Edward Gall. It was exactly. years. It was years before he right. came to, to Grand Prix. And, and that's, yeah, that's the same. And we have to respect it out of every horse. It's just, you know, a certain person trains a certain way and, and they ride a certain way, you know, it's not just, you know, kick and pull till the horse goes around beautifully, right? So, Right, and, and I think that there was, was some expectation a couple of years ago, and, and, and some of my um, critics, if you, may, if, if you can call them that, people with other opinions, um, yeah. brought up a very good point that, um, you know, Totalist is a stallion, so at least they can get a return on investment. So that's a lot of phantom mounting. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. It adds up, but it takes a long time. I mean, I don't think he would be able to compete. He'd be in that room exhausted 24-7 to get a return on that investment. <laughs> um, but, and, and they were saying that maybe that's the difference between deliberate practices and developing. Um, I personally disagree. I feel that if somebody wants success, they're going to pay what they need to pay to get it. But I think that Totalist acted as a cautionary tale of sorts to prospective, like, let's say, sponsored riders. And their sponsors will say, I'll pay whatever. Do they want a horse that stepped into the limelight as the best horse? Or do they want to get something that is very good in anonymity? And yeah. Yeah. Like you said, that's what I would want. That <laughs> like, that's what I would want. You know, right? I, 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 so, yeah, I mean, I, I think people learn that. And I think people really learn through that whole thing of it is not as easy as it looks, guys. And, and it's very, very difficult to do that. So I think, it, I think it, we're seeing that now when it comes to the sale of these other horses. And it's like, ooh. And, and I think that it, a lot of people, I mean, I remember being interviewed. What do you think about the sale of Totalist? And I'm like, 
oh, my master's is in economics. I think it's awesome to have the idea that I can remotely yeah, I mean, sell a horse any, for that Anyone kind of out money. there riding or as a professional yeah. say, great, the more money these people yeah, give for yeah. horses just raises the standard a little bit. And, and, exactly. and really, it, you know, the, the value there was like, now, now that we've seen it in a little bit of perspective, the story's not over, but the value was was in the training, right? And as a trainer, mm-hmm. I love that, right? Because uh, a lot of it's people can go validating. out there and buy a fancy mover in the <laughs> field, but it was down to the training that that what that there was a lot of value in that, and and that's it a little bit of affirmation for what we do. So I, I like right, that. yeah, and it's and it's you who makes your horse, and it, it, you know whomever gets on makes the horse. And because that horse is made, it doesn't mean that the next person who mounts him or her suddenly becomes a replacement. Right. Like you said, it takes and years. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because, you know, that's always a conversation I have with somebody who gets a schoolmaster. You know, they think, well, mm-hmm. I paid all this money and I should be able to just pop on and, and go win or go do and get my silver medal. And I'm like, um, yeah, not so much. I mean, maybe. Uh, you know, but it, it doesn't Maybe. work that way. Right. Never say never. But, you know, you always yeah, be proven exactly. wrong if you Maybe. say never. <laughs> but, and I love to be proven really wrong with that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, yes, please prove me wrong. Work hard and prove it, me wrong. But awesome. nine times out of ten, you're not. Nine times out of ten, if you put a training level rider on a I-1 horse, let's say, you're not going to be going out in six months and and getting your silver because the horse knows it. There is a learning curve that's massive from rider to horse, and um, and of course that's you know not what I'm saying where total has happened, but on an everyday sense, that does occur constantly. And having a horse that is is that tuned is an amazing opportunity, but. There's comes with a lot of frustrations with it as you try to learn those buttons. It's like, do you want to start flying your airplane on a little twin prop plane, or do you want to get right into the um, the jet fighter? <laughs> There's a thousand buttons and the Mach, you know, six. It's it's a different reality. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. It takes time. So, Bonnie, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show tonight and to uh, to talk a little bit about your blogging. Now, if you want to talk about your website a little bit, that would be great. Uh, you know, where is it? You've got a, a couple of different things on there, you know, as far as your business. So maybe you want to to go over that real quick for us. Because sure. I think there's some sure. interesting interesting ideas that you've brought to to uh, riding and learning and stuff. So, um, well, feel free if I if there's a point that you want me to make, make it for me because I'll definitely skip over it. Whatever I'm asked, I'll definitely miss the central point. But <laughs> I'll give it my best go. Um, my website is thesausdifferent.com. Um, it is, um, mostly articles, but I'll also put up, I try to cut some of the instructional articles with more, you know, just funnier, lighter stuff. Um, like I have little, um, cartoons that I'll put up occasionally that are just poking fun at horse culture and, and, um, you know, just that, (laughs) that the ridiculousness that we all go through as we get kind of like sucked into the void. Um, and we, I also have, um, you know, obviously my, my contact information for, for my live and in-person um, being. Uh, again, I said I was the assistant for uh, Tina out in San Diego, so there's that. But um, aside from that, I have um, 
also the, the funnier articles that I put on there just with just just to help any adult amateur that comes in and might feel a little under or overwhelmed, I should say, just kind of poking fun at their, themselves so that they can get that they're not alone out there, that there's a lot of people like them. Um, I do, uh, I also offer a virtual training program, if that's one of the, one of the things that you were thinking of, um, which is people who have no access to dressage instruction whatsoever, and they need some feedback, or they need something that they um, want help with, and they want someone whose voice they're familiar with, because I'm, you know, on, you know, constantly, so people know me in, in, in some form. Um, so there, there's that as an opportunity as well. Um, but yeah, so that, that's my website. Sometimes you're too close to something, so you don't really know, you know, how to describe it best. But that's yeah, I think you do. I think you do a pretty good job there. Yeah, people okay, can check it out. It's pretty it. easy. <laughs> and uh, I'll, try, I'll try to talk about anything but myself. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on Facebook and you're a Twitterer as well, right? I am. I am all over. When yeah, I think you're all over the social media thing. My, yeah, I did the Twitter, the Twitter thing, the the Facebook thing, and I actually was on Tumblr because I heard that's where all teenage girls are going now. So uh, I went on Tumblr, <laughs> and I'm okay. terrible at Tumblr. Yeah. No yeah. yeah. What can I say? <laughs> but well, thanks thank again for so doing much. this with us, Bonnie. Yeah. I really appreciate it, and uh, have a great day. Oh my gosh, I had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Well, that was a really fun discussion with Bonnie Walker. I enjoyed that. We will have her back on again when she posts something new. Uh, she was um, a breath of fresh air. I really enjoyed talking with her. So right after this commercial break, you and I, Philip, are going to talk about the eight training tips from Kira Kirkland. Uh, Beth Balmett wrote it from Dressage Today. So I'm looking forward to that. Hi, Glenn here with the Horse Radio Network, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with her product of the week. Well, it's that time of the year. Uh, spring grasses are coming up. Our horses who might have insulin-resistant issues are um, wanting to get out with everybody else, and those of them who are maybe a little on the portly side, you need to be careful what they're eating. Uh, the product this week is a Cashel Grazing Muzzle Halter. Um, the reason I picked this one to talk about is because this is the one I use. I like it because it's an entire halter. It does not attach to a pre-existing halter, so you can just easily put it on and off um, right there in the pasture. It also has a ring that um, down at the base of the chin where you would have a ring on any other halter. And so you can actually lead them around with this thing on, uh, which I thought was really great. And the third thing is it doesn't fall in on itself. It's nice and stiff, but not too stiff. It's easy on the muzzles, but it's not too stiff. It won't fall in on them so they can breathe a little bit easier. It's easy for them to drink out of. Um, mine drinks with it all the time. Um, and it doesn't seem to bother them as much. And there's another thing you can do with this thing besides keeping them off the grass. If you have a procedure coming up and your horse is not allowed to eat, you can put this on and he can still drink water and walk around with his buddies, but he can't, you know, eat. So that's another thing to keep in, in mind. It's very adjustable. It's easy and it really works. And they can, I like the fact that they can drink out of it so easily. 
That's right. We, our horse speaker is a fatty, and he's got his uh, muzzle on already. The grass is getting green here in Florida, so he had his muzzle on yesterday. And you know what's funny is he was so excited to put it on because he knew he was going to be going out in the green grass. <laughs> yes, yes. I have the same thing with mine. I have um, a one that has an IR issue. and But when I bring the muzzle out to put them out, all the other horses come running nickering because they know when they see that muzzle that they're going to get to go out. <laughs> yes. And these are not that expensive, 28 to $35. So, right. Right. Folks. They come in several different sizes. They come in a uh, horse and the, and they have the small mini one too. So minis always have to have these things on. Yes, so right. there you go. <laughs> or the Cashel Grazing Muzzle Halter. Just search for Cashel Grazing Muzzle when you go to equestriancollections.com and buy one today. or we decided um, today we would actually work on, we found this training tip online, which is eight training tips from Kira Kirkland. And uh, we gave Carl Hester, uh, we did his list a a couple months ago. So we thought we would uh, start with Kira's list. So we're kind of I love when we get these, these, you know, short, really, um, really useful little tips here and we can bring them on, bring them on to our show and just have a quick talk about them and, and uh, that's great from from a great 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 trainer, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so number one, training tips from Kira Kirkland: Your horse should be relaxed, but relaxed doesn't mean lazy. And I yeah, think, I think we hit on this yeah. actually last episode, right? Mm-hmm, Relaxed is important, but lazy, you know, there's a fine line. Um, well, it's not so fine between relaxed and lazy, and let's you know, energy, relaxed energy. I like to describe it as right. Yeah. So. Uh, to our next one, be emotionally calm when you are teaching your horse. This is huge. This it, is, yeah, I, I mean, this is huge, and this is this is something I struggle with. Yeah, a lot. Me too. You know, uh, I mean, you're mm-hmm. so emotionally invested in a horse or a student, and I tend to get a little too charged up sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to get a point across, or when I'm riding, you know, getting getting things a little bit my way, and I've got to mm-hmm. a lot of times take a walk break and just do my best to to. To dial it back a little bit, and uh, I know that uh, you know uh, that's that's one that's one of my faults. I have lots, and that's one of them. And, yeah. and I have to do always working on doing a better job of this because um, you get too overzealous about things, and you get too much, and then nobody's learning anything, and that's that can mm-hmm. be a big problem. So this is a big deal. I think I, I literally just stepped out of my ring to come in here to do the show, and and I was teaching a, a young woman who. Her mom owns the horse, but oh, it's a big horse, and, and she really wants to sell it. The mom really wants to keep it, and, and she's been having some training issues with the horse, and it just sort of all came to a head, and there is no way, and, and I even said that to her. I said, you know, this is not this horse's fault or problem. He's really not being a bad guy. He, it's just maybe not the right situation for everybody, but every time you come out and ride that horse, you need to shrug all this off and train him the best of your ability that's a really big deal because it's very hard for her to be emotionally calm at this point because she's so upset that she wants to sell this horse. And, and so there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in, in, in the horse being strong, which, yes, the horse is being strong, but he doesn't mean to, and it's not his fault, and he should be trained appropriately. So there yeah, you go. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, we bring so much emotion to the yep. horses every day, emotion from our other lives, emotions from different work, you know, when when, uh, when riding is not your profession, that – or you know, for when it is your profession, it's the last horse you rode. You're you're thinking about it, and 
you maybe had problems with it and then you're taking that to the next horse it's not fair on the horse and, and it just um you know got to strive to do a good job of being calm and and putting certain things aside and and carrying on with uh with being a good teacher right exactly the third one so what's- yeah let's go with the third okay the horse is in a perfect balance when he is on his own when the rider is aboard some horses have better balance than others but the rider's always need to rebalance with half halt. Keep your weight balanced in the middle of your horse's back. The weight aid is the most important aid because it influences the horses at all times. You can take the rein and legs away, but your weight is always present. Keep it in the middle of the horse. Once you're balanced, you can rebalance your horse. That's great. I think that's pretty yeah. self, self-explanatory <laughs> that's there, Reese, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah, we, we put, we put a, a big weight on the horse's back and it's our job to, to be balanced before we can have any good influence on the, on the horse. So let's go right to number four. Riding with your horse's head down doesn't mean he is on the bed. You want your horse's back to be like an arched bridge, not like a hanging bridge. When the bridge is arched, the horse's underline contracts, and then the top line can lengthen. When the bridge is hanging, the underline, the underline lengthens and the rider sits in the hole, which is uncomfortable for both horse and rider. I think this just goes back to a little bit that this um, the term on the bit is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, because it doesn't it really Mm-mm. describe what it talks about. You know, I th- right. I, you know, I've heard that it's a bad translation, and and I think that we I try to stay away from using you know on the bit unless the rider has a really good understanding of what that means through the whole of the horse's energy and body, and it it just it's. It's a term that describes way too much for for the little concise little snippet mm-hmm. there. So when the horse is not yeah. on the bit, there can be a uh, hundred problems that that is the reason. But right. you know, riders get into fussing with horses' head and contact and stuff because that's what they think on the bit means. So right. Right. Um, we try and educate uh, you know our riders as much as possible that that is a, not a great term to describe. There's so many things that are going on, and so. I like this, you know, bridge arch thing. We we've talked about last week. We were talking about, I think, waves. You know how the, mm-hmm. the crest of the wave is a horse's pole, and and I think we struggle every single week on this show to to come up with more descriptions about what on the bit means. So I think it's it's a overused term and an under understood term. So exactly. glad to see that here and uh, described in a good way. Like a bridge, like an arch bridge. I like that. Arch bridge. So oh, number five. It sometimes helps to teach your horse a concept or movement in the walk. If you can't do it slowly, you won't be able to do it fast either. This is like learning to drive in first gear. In the walk, the horse can move easily, easily listen to and understand your aids, give, give to the aids, and come back, can come up in its back. Of course, it's not possible to teach some things like flying changes in the walk, but this tip, tip helps with many other movements. I love this tip. I, yeah, great tip. We, we do this a ton. I mean, this is sort of my motto. <laughs> Can't do it in the walk, you know, especially when it comes to learning lateral work. Shoulder in, yeah, hunches in. Yeah, I was going to say, half, half, half is a huge one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot. And we do a lot of walking to the mirror, and um, this, is a, this is a good one. So I, yeah. I really do like this one. Helping riders figure out where their <laughs> body is, helping the horse figure out where their body is, and, and bringing it together Um even I, w- I take it to the next step to say we do things a little bit in slow trot. 
without a ton of energy and power to get it right first and teach a horse strength and balance and then build it build thing you know energy and power and movement because it's too hard especially travair and half pass i think are huge ones you know because yeah. the bending has to be right and if you're push 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 pushing for all that energy elevation you know all those things that that kind of goes a little bit awry so we try and uh, go back to the training scale you know rhythm suppleness right and even sometimes even if that rhythm is a little bit slower to help horse and rider figure it out that can help and then and then we're thinking about you know um straightness and and power and and uh energy and 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 those kinds of things so you know break it down slow it down for yourself right slow it down and even into test movements when you're riding a pattern in a test sometimes just walk the pattern first you're not using all the horse's energy when it's the rider trying to figure out okay where do i go now what do i do where do i turn what do i do right it saves a bit of energy um for you to ride later on and you know and stress and and tiring your horse out doing something wrong over and over and over again great chance just to walk it out right exactly exactly okay number six all change is difficult whether we're talking about changing the rider or changing the horse Habits, both good and bad ones, have become automatic. Unconscious behaviors, so they are hard to change. Recent research shows that it takes 100,000 repetitions to break an old habit and as many as 5,000 to create a new one. Also, you can only change one thing at a time because the conscious brain can only process one thing at a time. That's good. Bring a little science and research into this job that we do that's so hard. Yeah, Um, and I had had heard 10,000 repetitions, not 100,000, but... That makes sense. I mean, you think about how many times you do something and how many times it changed. You know, even like brushing my teeth. I I hurt my shoulder this week and I had to try to brush my teeth with my left hand. Oh, my goodness. You know, I was like, whoa. You know, my (laughs) teeth were not very clean there for a while. So, you know, it's very hard. The same thing when it comes to riding. Um, And this also comes to teaching as well. I, I really... I mean, as a teacher, we want to change a lot of things sometimes, and I really have to say to myself, yeah. pick one thing that in this hour I think I'm going to make it the biggest difference right? and right. really focus on that. And, and it's cute because sometimes I'll have people auditing, and they'll say, oh, you know, this is happening, and this is happening, and this is happening. And you really have to say, yeah, yeah, I know all that's happening. Yeah, that's but okay. But if I can yeah. fix this one thing it could potentially lead to helping all these other things. So I think that's where an instructor comes in and, and kind of knows, no, this is, this is the route. If I can fix that, yeah, a lot of these other yeah, things Yeah, to prioritize, happen. you know, things mm-hmm. that are going right and wrong and to break it down for a rider. I mean, I'm going to bring it back just to, because the horse shows are on my mind. Um, you know, when we're showing, I give, you know, you give a lot of instruction to a rider, but you say, that, you know, I, what I like to do is break it down and say, in this test, Today, you are going to work on this when you get in the ring. One thing, maybe two, but one or two right. things, right? And right. if that is successful, you've done a great job. I don't care about what the score is. I don't care if this is the championships or not or, or all this pressure you put on yourself. Just show me this one difference. One thing, yeah. Yeah. If you <laughs> could have a little more energy in your test, fantastic. This is going to be success for you today. And you can build from that. But if you say to somebody, or if you're going in the ring thinking, okay, I got to get this halt, then I got to do this, and then boom, it's all gone. It's yeah. all gone. I like to, you know, think big picture with horses and big pictures, big picture with riders, even when there's, you know, a million different movements, even if it's a pre St. George, there's tons of stuff going on. You can only really focus 
and fix you know one thing whether it's overall or whether it's your shoulder and like i just want the shoulder in good today and the rest of the test could be out the window i don't really care right i think that helps focus people and, yep. and get and get real results of of you know one or two things that you can change and not to worry about a hundred things that you can't so exactly i, I really exactly. like it yeah yeah, yeah i like that one as well Excellent. Okay, number seven. Keep the rein contact steady. The horse needs some support from the rein. It's similar to lunging a horse with side reins. They they give a frame. If he pulls on the side rein, he pulls on himself. When he challenges the rider's reins, he resists with the reins with the, the same within the same frame, not by pulling back and trying to shorten the frame. And I think that's a great way when i teach contact and teach people about contact i really try to give the idea of lunging and yeah. what it yeah what the what side reins can the do side reins are doing yeah. i think that that's a big one so yeah. i think that that's just a good visual to remember yeah when if all else fails just keep it keep it steady, keep and, it steady. and help your horse <laughs> out a little bit right yeah i mean contact is is so complicated and there's so many things going on with the horse's body that 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 influences contact and stuff like that so when all else fails if you if you can't do anything else just keep it steady help your horse around the ring and and you're not be doing you're not be doing a bad thing by doing that right you can ride transitions you can do tons of other things um but if if you're not giving kind of a helpful steadier feel then uh then yeah you're failing the horse a little bit okay number eight this is the last one when you stretch your horse, he still has to carry himself. Feel that he has equal contact in both reins when he reaches down and keep him active and connected. Yeah. That's a good one. And I think, that that, I think it's a really good one. And, and I think this is, I'm going to bring in a pet peeve. I hate that we have a stretchy circle and training level test one. <laughs> yeah. I think by training level test three, I have absolutely no problem that your horse should start to stretch and be able to carry himself and be able to hold hold the stretch and hold his body in training level test one it's very very difficult especially when you have a young horse and they're at a horse show and they're looking at things to try to say okay come on you're gonna have a little bit more rain and you're gonna have to yeah. up. oh boy yeah. i agree so, i was thinking about that today like oh yeah. this is training table test one. Oh, there's a stretch circle in it. oh, oh there's God. a stretch circle how oh, hard is that right yes. i mean just to get around and walk chalk canter with with uh more or less steady contact that i mean it's a hard job so but they put it in there, so we have to teach it, and so have riders have it. to ride it, and yeah, that's the way it he, goes. He, but again, I think this is straight. yeah, yeah, not so straightforward, and and don't feel bad if it's not going perfect for you. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of you know young horses that we ride. It's it's so tough, and it just takes it takes practice. It takes the horse going correctly. I mean, that's why it's in there. When we get down to it, the judges want and and training needs to be in the right way, and that that is a good. Um, show of of that the contact is right and the horse is going well over the back and da, 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 you know, all these things right so it's in there it's in the first test it, it's super important i agree but it's hard to do on show day when everyone's nervous and and so if you struggle with this it's not it's not a big deal you're still it's probably okay. doing a pretty good job right yeah it's gonna <laughs> take a little while it took it took my young horse forever to figure it out and then then finally now he stretches great and he's like oh okay this is what okay, i do okay this is kind of fun it yeah. Took a while. Then, yeah then you get the horses that only want to stretch yeah all the time through the whole I, thing yeah exactly That's a little it's frustrating like, not <laughs> exactly not so much so um but that was a great list no, um, great and t- great tips and things for people to think about and uh yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah, I like, well, that I like when we get stuff like this. I know. So, Philip, I have one shout-out to make, and um, it's literally just came final. So I want to give a shout-out to Rebecca Hart. She is a friend of mine. Um, she just won. She's a five-time USCF national champion, and actually now she is a six-time USCF national champion um, in the grade two rider at the para um, at the USEF Para Equestrian Dressage National Championships and Selection Trials. So I think Fantastic. Becca's going to be going that back she's, to WAG. She's on her way to WAG, yeah, again. Mm-hmm. And I, she's I uh, definitely a, a friend of the show. She's come on the, yep. on the Dressage Radio Show lots, and uh, mm-hmm. we love having her on, and, and especially the Para Show. And, uh, yes. Wow, it's highly, highly decorated the... rider. Yeah, very she successful, very good an rider. an amazing person, amazing yeah. person as well. And, and to all the other riders that competed at the Para, we will, I'm sure actually the Para, will, they will have a great show on it in a couple weeks to, to wrap it, everything up, but we just wanted to give a shout-out to her because she is fabulous. So, um, awesome. And please don't forget emails and Facebook shout-outs to us. We love them. Keep them coming. It helps us uh, bring you some great programming. And yeah. um, I mean, if you see it, I mean, we, we cover a lot of articles from other people. If you see something that you'd like, hey, I wonder if we could talk about it or have that person on, send a suggestion. You know, we can only try our best, right? Absolutely. And we are ha- happy to have everybody on. So, But you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on our show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and I hope everyone that's at a horse show this weekend has a great time, and we will talk to you next week.